Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. All right, Jonathan, I'm going to ask you to come on up. And uh, John, uh, come on up, yeah. This is Jonathan, and uh, I'm going to let you tell us who you are exactly. But Teen Challenge, just say so over the years, I've I've watched and read and listened, and Teen Challenge has an extremely high success rate, if you want to call it success, right? The Lord does. Much higher than all of the other programs that are out there. And the reason is, is because Jesus Christ is at the center of it in the gospel, right? And that brings change. Not that the struggles aren't real. The struggles are real. And and just like all of us, they have different struggles than we do. So I'm turning to you, Jonathan. And... uh, Look forward to what God's going to say through you guys. Good morning, church. Good morning. So, uh, as the pastor mentioned, my name is uh, Jonathan. I'm a graduate of Adult and Teen Challenge, uh, Worcester. I'm 34 years old, um, and currently I serve uh, in our church services department. So, I get the privilege of uh, serving at the place that God used to save my life from addiction. Um, So I just want to spend a few moments uh, explaining Adult and Teen Challenge and also explaining a little bit about our facility in Worcester. Um, You can go to the next slide, please. We are uh, one of 12 centers throughout New England. Uh, That's under the Adult and Teen Challenge, New England and New Jersey umbrella. Uh, We are a nonprofit. You can go to the next slide. Uh, Adult and Teen Challenge Worcester used to be located in Dorchester. It was called Greater Boston for many years. And we moved to Worcester about three years ago, as you can see in uh, October of 2020. We were able to purchase this facility in downtown Worcester, a 38,000 square foot facility. And we purchased it in the midst of the COVID outbreak in October of 2020, 100% debt free because the city sold it to us for 30% of its value. So praise God for that. Amen. Amen. So God provided us with this huge facility where uh, we have the capacity of 41 Uh, beds in there now. We're doing renovations to the building. Uh, We're opening up the third floor to build a bigger chapel up there and also to make way for uh, more residents. You can go to the next slide, please. The heart of our program at Adult and Teen Challenge is resident first. So a lot of other detox facilities, uh, secular rehab programs, you're listed as a bed number or a patient number, right? And that's how they look at you. And when your time's up, you're out the door and some other number comes in. But at Adult and Teen Challenge, when you come through the doors, you have a name, you have a life that is probably, well, it is a mess and it wrecked and you need help putting it back together. So at Adult and Teen Challenge, we look at you like that. You have a name, you have a life that you need to be restored. Um, so that, that makes a big difference. Also at Adult and Teen Challenge, we offer uh, clinical counseling, life coaching, uh, vocational training, um, transportation back and forth from doctor's appointments, uh, dentist appointments, uh, court dates, uh, any, any of that. We offer that, and also for guys that don't have a high school diploma, we offer a a track for them to be able to get their high set certificate. So a lot of great things that Adult and Teen Challenge offers, but here's the kicker. All of those things are great, 
and all of those things are necessary to us living a, a sober and clean and productive life, right? But the only thing is, none of these things will keep us. The clinical counseling is not going to keep you. The life coaching is not going to keep you. The vocational training is not going to keep you because life is still going to come at you. Life is still going to throw curveballs. Life is still going to hit you in the nose, so to speak. So when that happens, where do you go, right? Well, we know where to go. We go to the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. Because Amen. that is what's going to keep us through it all is the power of the blood of Christ and his spirit working through us. Amen. Amen. You can go to the next slide, please. Um, and at the table, you'll see some of the fruit of our vocational training. Uh, the guys hand make all these cutting boards, um, and you'll have an opportunity after the service to uh, go to the table and just uh, fellowship with the guys. And also, if you'd like to sew into our ministry by purchasing a uh, beautiful handcrafted cutting board, you can do that as well. Next slide, please. Did everyone see one of these on the seat? that you're sitting in or maybe the seat next to you, there's a uh, card. So on one side of this card is the most important part of the card because it's asking for a prayer request. We believe and know at Adult and Teen Challenge that there is power in prayer. I know that number one because the scripture tells me that, but I know it number two because I've seen evidence of it in my life. I'm standing here today because I had a faithful mother, I had a faithful grandmother that continued to pray every night, continued to hit their knees every night, crying out to God that maybe one day their grandson, maybe one day their son would get it together and come back to the Lord. And guess what? He answered because I'm standing here today. Amen. Amen. Yep. Amen. So, so we need your prayers, but we also want to pray for you. So please, if you have any prayer requests that you need prayer for, fill it out on one side. On the other side, you'll see uh, a place asking for your information. You may be like, well, why are they trying to get my information? Well, we want to stay in contact with you. We want to connect with you about the great things that are going on at Adult and Teen Challenge. We have events throughout the year, uh, golf tournaments, uh, banquet in the fall, and other things that we do as well. And we just like to stay in contact with you and let you know about the great things going on at Adult and Teen Challenge. Amen. Next slide, please. Now, this is the best way that you can sow into our ministry. I don't want to dwell on this too much right now because I want to uh, allow these guys some time to come up here and share their stories of redemption. Um, but I just want to touch on this real quick. This is the best way to sow into our ministry. It's called a dollar-a-day sponsorship program. Um, we have trifold pamphlets uh, that, that you can uh, fill out if you'd like to. Uh, so into our ministry now what it is is just for a dollar a day you can sign up for a recurring payment or you can pay it one final payment of $360 and what it does is it helps offset the cost of residents in our program that can't pay for their own way health insurance doesn't pay for 12 months of treatment um, we don't get government funding because when we try to get government funding they tell us to take Jesus Jesus out of the program and our program won't work without Jesus. So we don't get help from the government. So we rely on uh, the body of Christ and other individuals that help offset the cost of people like me that didn't have money to pay for the program, but I had a willingness to change. Amen? Amen. So without uh, further ado, I want to introduce uh, our first brother today that's going to testify, uh, Mr. Aaron.
Good morning, church. First and foremost, I want to say thank you for having us because it's a pleasure. Um, my name is Aaron, as he said. I'm 22 years old. I'm from Bridgewater, Mass. Um, growing up, I didn't have a father figure. He left me in and out. And two years ago, I found out my mom came into my room and I'm just spending time with my little brother playing video games with him. She came in crying, saying that he died. And that really started my life of smoking weed and partying and drinking. And it turned out I didn't want to be alive. I didn't want to be with my family. I just want to be left alone, get away from them. And it turned out horrible. It turned out ruining my relationship with my family, ruining the relationship with my little brother. My little brother's like a brother, but like a son to me, because he looks out after me. He looks for me. He looks up to me. I try to do the best to support him as a big brother. And I couldn't, and I just destroyed his life, destroyed how he felt. Again, I mean, now he, he hated me. He didn't want nothing to do with me. But so I just went on a tear. I didn't care. I didn't stay at my house at all. I just went to Brockton, just kept doing things I didn't want to do, got with the wrong people. But as soon as last year, I was like, I told my mom, I'm like, Mom, I'm done. I don't want to be here. I don't want to live how I live. I want to change it. So she said, you're staying at my uncle's house for two days. And I went there, and my uncle's like, you can't smoke. You can't do nothing. I was like, okay. It's going to be a struggle, but I can do it. But then he found me Teen Challenge, which Teen Challenge, it was a program. I think it was a joke. I thought I didn't believe in Jesus. I didn't believe in what he did for us. But that program developed me and developed the the spirit inside of me, and I got saved June 6th of, of this year. And um, ever since that, I've been more getting into my word, understanding, helping the new brothers here that come in to tell them that what Jesus has done in my life, what Jesus can do in your life, and how he can restore your relationship, restore your relationship with your family, which he's doing now. And next month, next week, next Sunday, I'm getting baptized. And the one scripture that's been standing on me through this whole time is Romans 5, 8. It says, but God showed his great love while Christ sent Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That every time in my head, I'm like, even though I was in my mess sinning all the time, but Christ still brought me and still loved me no matter what and died for me no matter what. And I thank him for that. I thank him for everything he's doing in my life right now. And I plan on completing the program, obviously, because this program is a spiritual, it restores your relationship, restores your spiritual um, figure inside you. And um, I just give all the glory to him. And the scripture that I stand on is James 1, 19 through 20. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Thank you, church. Good morning, church. My name is Andy. I'm 44. Uh, first, thank you for having us. Beautiful place, beautiful congregation. So I'm Andy. I'm 44. I was born in Peru, but I grew up most of my life in Boston. My journey with Teen Challenge begins in February of 2021. I had gone to the Clinical Stabilization Service in Brockton, which is a short-term program. It's 
secular program. There is no Christ in it. And at that time, I had been going in and out of treatment places for the last five, six years, because I never thought my problem was really that big. I just needed to slow myself a little bit, just have a little bit sober time, and just go back and go work, make money, because that was important. So I went there for two weeks. By April 9th of 2021, I died from alcohol poisoning, and I actually saw God put my spirit back in my body and tell me I had to go to Teen Challenge and seek him. Because before that, I had never believed in him. I had always felt forsaken and abandoned. At the age of 10, I left Peru with my family. And in Peru, I was a rich kid. I was spoiled, I was sheltered, surrounded by family, loved ones. When I came here, my father changed. I don't know what he did with the money. He quickly became a deadbeat. My mom was working 60 to 80 hours a week just to provide for us. And I was now the weird, foreign, poor kid that everyone picked on. So um, I hated it. So since I couldn't beat him, I joined him. I learned to do crime. I learned to make money. And I was helping my mom and take care of my sister. But for the next couple of years, for pretty much my whole life, I just always felt abandoned and forsaken by God. And I wanted nothing to do with him. I grew out of that lifestyle a little bit. In my 20s, I started working in restaurants, and that's when I started drinking. I was literally paid to drink for a living. And drinking quickly became from a weekend thing to an everyday thing, to an all-day, everyday thing. And eventually, the party has to come to an end, but I didn't want it to end. I've had everything during my life. Beautiful wife, houses, cars, I've had everything, money. But nothing ever satisfied me, and I could never understand why until I started coming to God and showing him, and him showing me his love, because I never knew love. And as I've gone through, and he shows me, like, I always thought I thrived in chaos, but no, it was his, God, his hand protecting me the whole time. His gifts, his purpose for me. So I completed Teen Challenge once already. I relapsed. I went back and did a restoration and got kicked out for gambling. And it's funny, because I was gambling when the one short thing in life is God, and I just have to trust that, but I decided to take gambling to my own hands. And in my arguments with God, there was a time when I was saying, what do I need you? I've never relied on anyone but myself. I've been strong enough on my own for my whole life. Why do I need you? And one of the things I love about God is his brutal honesty and sense of humor when he whispers in my ear and says, say it with me, God-given strength. Everything I am, everything I've ever had, the only reason I'm still here is because of his grace, his mercy, and his love. So there's a lot of scripture I could stand on, but lately the one he's put back in my heart is Jude 1.1 that says, to those who have been called to be loved by God the Father and to be kept in Jesus Christ. Because I know he has a calling for me. I know he loves me. And the only, way I'm, the only way I'm ever going to do anything in my life is if I keep Jesus first. Thank you, church. Good morning, church. Um, I'm just going to sit here. I don't want to battle the stairs. <laughs> I had enough battles in my life. Um, so um, my name's David. Uh, the brothers in the house, they call me DK. I guess that's the new name that the Lord's given me, new creation. So... Um, uh, I just stand here blessed today. I, uh, 
sit here blessed today. But um, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for what the Lord's brought me out of. Um, so I am from Providence, Rhode Island. Um, I grew up in a town called Bristol. Um, we have like the oldest Fourth of July celebration there. And um, so I learned how to party at a young age. Um, I fit in, you know, I, um, I started drinking and smoking um, at like 14, 15. Um, and I had an older brother who sold marijuana. They didn't have dispensaries back then. So um, I kind of went towards that crowd and um, it allowed me to fit in, get the things I wanted. And um, unfortunately, it just escalated. Um, I ended up harder and harder drugs. By the time I was 18, I had tried just about everything. And um, it just led me down a path of destruction. And um, I moved around trying to, trying to get better secular programs. Um, opiates was probably the hardest thing for me to try to overcome. Um, on and off, I probably battled it for almost 20 years. Um, so I lived in Miami for a little while, and I, as I was sitting up last night, I was thinking about, um, I was trafficking from Miami to North Carolina to go meet my mother. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was two. My grandmother raised me. So like 24, I'm going up to meet my mom, and um, I seen this guy's shirt. It says Myrtle Beach on it. We stopped in Myrtle Beach. We went on water slides with uh, this girl I was dating at the time. And as we're driving up towards North Carolina, I think we were on like Route 44, and I took like a wrong turn. And... Um, my walk in life reminds me of like the wrong turn I took. So when you're on the dark roads in like North South Carolina, right, they get really dark. They're not like up here. There's no light pollution. Like, so I took this turn. I'm heading down this dirt road, and I'm looking at my gas gauge go lower and lower. And they didn't have GPS back then. We're reading road maps and we're looking at it. And I'm stubborn. I'm a man. I'm like, no, I'm not asking for directions. I'm I'm gonna keep going. My pride, you know. So we're going and going. Then you start getting scared. Oh, man, am I going to make it if I turn around? That's kind of like my, my walk with this addiction. Am I going to make it if I turn around? And um, the devil, he gives you like the spirit of fear that you can't pull yourself out of it, you know? And so um, at the end of my run, I was um, sitting out in the woods, and I cried out to God, and I asked him if I was forsaken, if I'd ever be saved, if not, just take my life. And it was like the next day or two, he, he poured the spirit on me, and I couldn't explain what it was, but he started opening up doors and brought me to this program. And um, because I walked out in faith and, like, you know, I put down the Suboxone, the cocaine, everything, um, and I just came into this program. And I've been blessed. I don't do anything anymore. I don't even take medication. And I was on that stuff for 20 years. I mean, no joke. Um, never thought I'd get out of it. Um, it's only because of the grace of God. And... Um, I've been in this program six months. I am completely different from when I came in. I came in like a wild animal, these guys will tell you. They don't even reckon. It's crazy. Um, but uh, we serve a good God. There's no, there's no road too dark that you can't, that you can't get yourself out of. Even when the darkness is so overwhelming, you can't even see your hand in front of your face. You just got to cry out to him in sincerity and just have faith that, that it can be turned around. And um, I'm a miracle sitting here today. And um, I give all the honor and glory to the Lord. And I, I thank him. I thank him for what he's done in my life. Restoration's starting to happen. I'm getting my daughter back in my life. And um, he's spoken to me. I will have her more abundantly. And I, I'm just, I'm hopeful to see what that means. And I just have faith that the Lord's going to provide whatever needs to be provided. Thank you, church.
I stand on scripture as Romans 13 12. For the night is far gone, the day is at hand. So let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Thank you, church. Yes. Can we, uh, guys, can you stand up? Stand up, guys. Stand up. Can we give them a round of applause, please? You know, for, you guys can sit down. Um, you know, for guys like us, we, we don't get many rounds of applause, right? Uh, the stuff we've done in our life, um, man, we've, we've wreaked havoc. We've wreaked paths of destruction, and it's hard. It's hard. Um, the fear comes in, like uh, DK was talking about, when we step out and we start trying to do the right thing, and then it's like, man, have I done too much that I can't come back? You know, am I too far gone? Um, oh, man, God is good. His love. Nobody is too far gone for his love, for his grace, for his mercy. Um, and I just want to uh, thank you, first of all, for having us here. It's such a blessing to be here. But I just want to express to you guys this fight that we're in. This fight is a hard fight, not only individually, but collectively. Church, I want you to understand that this this scourge of addiction is tearing this generation of Americans apart. It is tearing the very fabric of our society apart. I'm telling you it is. Last year alone in the United States, 110,000 people, 110,000 Americans died last year of a drug overdose. That's double the amount of Americans that died in the entire Vietnam War in one year because of a drug overdose. In Massachusetts alone, over 2,000 deaths by drug overdose. That's six people every day. That's six people every single day in this state alone that are dying of drug overdoses. And I'll give you one guess of the county in Massachusetts that had the biggest increase in drug overdose deaths. Worcester County. Worcester County led all of Massachusetts in the, in the increase, the biggest increase in drug overdose, overdose deaths, an 18% increase from 2021 to 2022. It's right out your door. And I don't have to tell you guys that. When you drive down the street, if you go down South Main, if you go down any of these streets in downtown Worcester, you can see it. It's plain as day. And it's getting bad. The enemy is working overtime to tear this generation apart. And you know that out of all overdose deaths, 72% of them are men. 72% of the deaths are men. The enemy is coming after the very fabric of our homes. I wish I could stand up here and tell you that I've been a great father, that I've been a great son, that I've stood up and took my place in my household as the leader and as the man, but I can't say that because the enemy came at me at such a young age and pulled me away from that, and he tricked my mind. And then in my own sin, I poisoned my own mind, right? And I'm just now, by the grace of God, I'm able to put these pieces back together and I'm sick of seeing families torn apart. I'm sick of seeing good people die. These are people. These are good people. Yeah, they might be slumped over on the street corner over there, but they have a life. And that's a good person under there. I know because I used to be that person. I used to be that person. I used to do 
despicable, nasty stuff, man, to the people that love me the most. And people used to look at me like, he'll never change. Look at him. He's a piece of crap. Oh, he don't care about nothing. No, man, I was so bound up by my addiction, I couldn't do better for myself. But thanks be to God that he brought me to a place like this, where the, the brothers that were just as messed up as I was in there trying to figure this Jesus thing out could come around me and put their arms around me and say, here, here's some clothes. Here, here's some shoes. Hey, man, you're going to get out of bed today and come, come get something to eat? Come on, man. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God. So I just want to encourage you, church. We cannot do this on our own. We cannot do this on our own. As I mentioned before, we don't get any help from the government, right? We don't get any help from the government. We have to rely on the, the church body as a big way that we keep these doors open and we're able to provide a space for these men that come in that can't pay for their own stay. I couldn't pay for anything, man. I had a backpack with like one change of clothes in it. That was it. That's all I had. And you know this place paid for my bus ticket all the way from South Carolina to Worcester, Mass, and then brought me in and never asked for a penny from me? I don't know who the people were that stepped out and said, you know what, I'll pay a dollar a day. I'll pay a $30 a month to help support. So I don't know who those people were that supported me, but one day when I get to the other side of glory, I'll see their faces and I will give them the biggest hug they have ever gotten. Amen. So please, if you're financially able, please come to the table to us after the service, fellowship with us, ask how you can help. And guess what? Even if you're not, I know not everybody is financially able. Even if you're not financially able, we would love to talk with you, share our stories with you, share our hearts with you. And maybe we can be an encouragement to you today to be the light in a dark world. Amen? Thank you so much. Pastor? Let me ask the band to go ahead and make their way back up here. But I want to say to you that please, if you know, feel free to, to give. It's a, a, a worthy ministry to be involved in. If you can't give the dollar day, if you give anything, that would be very helpful. Take advantage of the products they have if you want. Do that. If, if for some reason you would feel more comfortable supporting them through the church, we will do that, okay? You just let us know, designate it, and we will help with that. Um, so let's, let's pray and we'll continue our worship. Father, I thank you for how you've shown us here and reminded us of how you change lives and uh, that you can do that and only you can do that. And I pray, Lord, that, you know, a lot of us here today have never been where these young men are. But Lord, there are things in our lives still that, that often control us or haunt us or that we need to be free from, Lord. And so we ask for your working in our lives that all of us would humble ourselves before you and look to you uh, for you to do the things that only you can do and that you'll be glorified in us through it. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the band's going to lead us to sing uh, a song written by, at least the words written by, a man who was a slave trader and had a terrible life. And God in his miraculous way, you know, 
saved him and changed him. So go ahead, guys. Stand up. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now. for these young men that were here today and sharing their testimonies, their courage to change their lives. And we know that they couldn't do it without you, Lord. There's so many of us here today that probably maybe their situation is not as dire, but we know that day to day you promise that 
you will not leave us or forsake us, and that you are forever mine. Amen. So singing Amazing Grace, right? My chains are gone. I've been set free. Uh, the Bible talks about very clearly multiple places that, that we need to realize that we are chained in chains. We're in the chains of sin and Satan, the chains of death, because we have sinned against a holy God. And that has separated us from him. And if we die in that condition, we'll be separated from him forever in hell. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He came and he lived this perfect and sinless life and dies on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins, rises again from the dead, showing that he was indeed victorious over sin and death and that his, his payment was sufficient. The moment we come to that realization and humble ourselves before God and say, that's me, I'm the one who needs this to be forgiven and salvation. And we say to God, oh, oh Lord, I, I, I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose again. And right now, by faith, I receive him as my savior. And, and we're going to trust him to deal with that sin problem. Such, such good news, because at that moment, God says that every sin has now been paid for forever for us. There is no eternal penalty for us for sin ever again. And then we have eternal life when this life is over. We die and we go to be with the Lord. And, and the, probably the best news for right now is that God himself moves inside. He comes to live within us. We are born again with his new life in us. And he has at that point broken the chains. We are no longer held by the chains of sin. But the problem is, is we don't understand that. We don't always believe that. We believe that we're still chained up when in reality those chains are broken. And what we have to do is begin to believe what God has said and then begin to act on those things that God has said. And then we begin to experience the reality of those changes in our lives. Well, we've been talking in the book of Philippians about what God has done for us, really how he went all in for us, didn't he? You know, the son of God became a man, took our sins. He went all in for us and then the call to us that we Go all in for him. Once we've received Christ as Savior, we need to say to God, okay, my life is yours. You know, whatever, whenever, wherever, however. And I don't even know what that means, Lord. And I don't know how in the world I'll do it, but I'm going all in with you. And uh, he will enable us then to walk with him and do the things that we need to do. So let's go to the book of Philippians. And pick up where we left off. Uh, the Apostle Paul in this chapter, Philippians chapter 3, it's page 1351 in the Bible that's in the chairs there. Uh, he, he talked about how, you know, all the things in his own life that he tried to do to make life work and to be what God wanted was a waste. Couldn't be done. And only through coming to Christ and trusting him could he experience the things that uh, deep down he was really looking for. And then he talked, we looked last week about how he said, uh, you know, we need to press forward. We keep, we, we don't focus on the things that are behind. We, we're pressing forward, believing what God says and living the way God says. And, and the good, and to me, such good news part of the gospel is that he says through the apostle Paul here, he says, so this is the way you need to live. You need to think this way, you need to do this. And he goes, and if, if you're missing it somewhere, don't worry, God will show you. He'll show you. 
And he keeps working in our lives and grows us. And that brings us now down to verse number 17 of chapter 3. And he says, brethren, join in following my example. And note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Father, we ask you to speak to us from your word today, that your spirit would take these words and help us to understand what they mean and help us to see what they mean in our own lives, and that we would humble ourselves before you and say yes to you about anything you would speak to us here. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's uh, uh, look, take, let's walk back through here and make sure we understand the passage, and then we'll see uh, three things that I think we need to take away from it. So we go back to verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example, okay? So I've lived this way. I want you to follow my example, all the things he's been talking about in here. And note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. So other people who are living like I am. You know, other people who are following my example... We look to them as well for how to do this. You know, I got to think when you guys, some of you guys show up in the program there, you don't know what to do. You don't know how it works, right? And so you need to look for some guys who are an example and start, oh, okay, uh, making that difference. Same in all of our lives, right? Um, but anyway, so he says, follow that. And then he says, uh, actually, before I do that, let's, let me stop. Sometimes I get on a roll. <laughs> let me stop for just a minute. We're talking about standing firm with Christ. What does that mean, to be standing firm with Christ? Well, we read it here, stand fast, right? The word stand fast, is, the, the words, there's a word that's, one Greek word that translated stand fast, and it means to be stationary, to persevere, to stand firm. And so here you are in, in life, and, and you're, you've taken this position, I, I belong to the Lord, I want to glorify him, I want to live for him, uh, and then the storms of life come. And there's lots of things that want to push you away or push you back or push you wherever, knock you down or get you to turn away and go somewhere else. And the Apostle Paul here is saying, no, what we need to do is all these things and we need to, to believe God and live in such a way that when those things come, we can what? Stay here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying here with the Lord. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to stand firm, okay? So that is what we are wanting to try to accomplish. So he gives us some ideas in here, uh, tells us some things that we have to understand and act on to experience that. So again, verse 17, brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Then for many walk, and by the way, when we say walk, what do we mean? We're talking about walking through life. We're talking about how we live our lives. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies 
of the cross of Christ. The enemies of the cross of Christ. Why would anybody be an enemy of the cross of Christ? Did I say that right? Cross of Christ. Okay, yeah. Why would anyone want to be an enemy? Think about this. What does this mean, being an enemy of the cross of Christ? And well, I think it's about being opposed to what the cross means. What does the cross mean? Well, the cross tells us means that sin is terrible, right? Sin is terrible. It required the perfect son of God who had never done anything wrong to come and pay the penalty for us. Uh, sin is terrible. I mean, we talk about being terrible in our own lives, but there was never a, a greater wrong, wrong done in the sense of the Son of God being held guilty for our sins. Okay? Sin is terrible. Secondly, the cross tells us that we can't fix the problem on our own. You can't. If, if we could fix this problem on our own, Jesus didn't have to come. But we can't. And that is why he comes. So the cross of, cross tell, the cross of Christ tells us that. And then third, we need a Savior. And how often do we need one? Daily. Now, we, we know, we teach, we believe that once we receive Christ as Savior, he moves in and he's never moving out. We belong to him forever. We are secure in him. Even when we relapse or you know, step back, he's faithful and he holds on to us. But nonetheless, we still need a Savior daily. Every day I need to, him to work in my life, to be saving me from what sin wants to do in my life. Okay, we definitely need that. And what the cross of Christ also tells us that the payment was sufficient so that your sins are completely forgiven. You know, there are a lot of religious backgrounds, uh, not just Christian ones, but others who are gonna tell you, no, you know, you're not completely forgiven. You gotta do some stuff. You gotta add this religious work or keep those good deeds or avoid this. No, no, no. Our sins are completely forgiven. And so anybody who's opposed to these things would be considered an enemy of the cross of Christ. And I'm not interested in, in focusing on them. What we want to say is let's don't buy into it. Let's don't buy into this. Sin is terrible. We can't fix our own problems. We need a savior daily. And in Christ, our sins are completely forgiven. And by the way, there's more to it than that. We could spend a long time talking about what the cross of Christ really means. So let's talk now about this idea of... Uh, Standing firm. Well, now let's, work, let's finish working through this here. Hang on. Okay, verse 19. Whose end is destruction. Those who oppose the truths of Christ, their end is destruction. That means they come to ruin. It means that it's going to bring problems in their lives that they can't escape from apart from Christ. Whose end is destruction. Whose God is their belly. And this is the idea of the natural desires. Natural appetites is what is running their lives. Running their lives and ruining their lives and whose glory is in their shame. The things that they thought they were awesome and so cool, and that's what they had to have is really shameful things. Things that brought nothing but bad into their lives. And then he says, who set their mind on earthly things. Uh, we'll talk more about that in a minute. For your citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming back, guys. He is coming back, really. Okay? And he says, we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body. You know, our bodies are, are part of the physical creation, and the physical creation has been cursed by sin. And so we experience all sorts of desires 
And our bodies have no sense of morality, right? We just want to satisfy desires. And it's only when the Lord changes the inside that we can be changed and saying he's going to do that. Our bodies are going to become like his eventually. According to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Anybody here ever have a problem bringing something in your life under control on your own? (laughs) He's going to do it permanently. He started good work. He's going to finish it. And then he says, stand fast in the Lord. So let's talk about three things in this passage that, that we see about standing firm with Christ. Okay, and the first one is this. Follow the example of those who are following Jesus. Okay, follow the example of those who are following Jesus. Uh, this idea of example and companionship and who we hang with, who we spend time with, who we follow the lead of, it's very, very powerful. The Bible talks about us that, that we're designed for relationship, and so we're drawn to these kinds of things. And then it gives us this principle in Proverbs chapter 13, when it says, he who walks with wise men will become wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Okay, so let's, uh, let's talk about these words. Companion. It's interesting, the, the word that's translated companion here is the idea, if you... You ever drive by a place where there's, you know, maybe dairy cattle or cattle out in the field, and what are they doing? Yeah, they're not playing games. They're doing what? Grazing. They're eating, right? Companionship means the people that you're grazing with. It's the people that you're just kind of going through life with, okay? Who are you going through life with? You need to give some thought to that. Because if those people are fools, you're in trouble. And fools... The Bible talks about the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. And it's interesting, it says that he said in his heart, not in his mind. Because the fool may very well know that there's a God, but in his heart he said, I'm not going to live like there's one. I'm not going to look at life like there's a God. I'm going to do my thing. And, and if you're hanging around with people who that's the way they look at life, they, they aren't going to look at life from God's perspective. They're going to look at life their own way. If you're hanging around with people like that and letting them be your influence in your life, it's, it's going to bring destruction into your life. And again, destruction means damage, extreme damage, to the point where you can't even function and do the things that you're supposed to do in life. And that can, it might look very respectable on the outside of other people, but this is where it will bring us. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, bad company corrupts good character. Okay, so we do need to think about this. Who are we hanging out with? Um, and you know this means that sometimes we may have to make choices you know you you start to see there's someone in your life who man this isn't helping me when I'm around this person I find myself being drawn into wrong thinking when I hang out with this person I find myself drawn into wrong choices and actions I realize I can't hang out with this person doesn't mean you can't love them. Doesn't mean you can't be polite. Doesn't mean if you have to be somewhere. I'm talking about when you have the choice, right? You may have to make a hard decision there because uh, all of this just affects us. It affects us. And so follow my example. Paul says also, uh, he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And that's the wrong reference. Uh, Go ahead to that slide. Next one, if you would. Uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians 11.1. But anyway. Follow my example. Now, ultimately, following Christ is not about following another person, is it? Following Christ is about following Christ. But when we follow their example, what are they doing? The people that we want to follow, they are what? Following Christ. 
And so that's what it's about. We're learning from them about how to follow Christ. We're learning it from their example. Okay, the second thing here we find in uh, the end of uh, verse number 19. He talks about those who are enemies of the cross of Christ. They don't believe the things that go along with that. And this last phrase, he says, who set their mind on earthly things. They set their mind. This is the way I'm going to look at the world. This is the way I'm going to think. And it's about earthly things as opposed to heavenly things. You know, there's a natural way to see the world, right? We're born with a nature that's bent in opposition toward God. Even after he saves us, we're working our way out of thinking that way and learning that. But when you set your mind on something, this is what your life is about. And if your life is about the here and now, this is, you're at risk of the things Paul is talking about. Do you have here and now responsibilities? Do you? I, I, you guys always think he's tricking us, he's tricking us, I'm not. Do you have any here and now responsibilities? Of course you do. But you need to, to look at those responsibilities with a heavenly mindset with a spiritual mindset. What does God say about these things? What is God's way of doing these things? How, what's, what should I be believing because of it? A heavenly perspective. Let's contrast real quickly, earthly thinking and heavenly thinking from our passage here. Earthly thinking brings destruction, okay? That's what it talks about there. But he- heavenly thinking, spiritual thinking brings construction. God builds us up. It's healthy, it's positive for us. Go to the next one. Earthly thinking, causes us to be driven by our sinful desires. That drives our lives, whereas heavenly thinking begins subduing those desires and replacing those desires, okay? And then it turns our priorities upside down. That's what earthly thinking does, and heavenly thinking puts priorities in order. Let's just get a a, a couple examples of this. So if, if I were to say to you, here's some earthly thinking, seek first your food and your drink, your clothing, and everything else you need, seek that first. Then if you can fit God into your life, do it. Okay, if you can. Well, that's wrong priorities, right? Scripture is very clear, Jesus said in, in Matthew 6, but seek first, seek what? The seek first. This is from about priorities, your first priority, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. He'll provide the things that you need to, to live this way for him. Or how about this one? Let Christ have preeminent in your life in all of those areas that aren't so important. <laughs> or the things that come easy to you. Let him be preeminent in those things. Well, you know, we already saw it this year earlier, remember? What's the saying? Colossians 1.18? That in all things he may have the preeminence. And so uh, earthly thinking turns our priorities upside down. Heavenly thinking gets our priorities in the right way. The third truth is this, that we want to see from this passage, focus on the privileges of your heavenly citizenship. If you look here, he says, our, for our citizenship is in heaven. Um, you know, it is a, a real privilege to be a citizen of the United States. We don't have a perfect country. There's a lot of ungodliness in our country. Uh, but still, it is a blessing to be a part of this country. I don't know if, you know if you've ever paid attention to what happens in foreign countries, like there'll be a big court case, something going on, and you start listening and say, wait a minute, why? they can't do that, that's not right. Well, guess what, in their country they can. The, the government can do lots of things, right, that we would say, wait, the government can't do that, that isn't right. And so we have these kinds of privileges. Uh, 
But, but what I want to say to you is that our, citi- our citizenship in heaven is like way better. <laughs> it's forever and it's perfect and, and everything about it is what we really, really want. And so what are some of these privileges of being a heavenly citizen? We see the idea of the Lord returning, changing us, conforming us, subduing things. So let's, let's talk about this for just a minute. First privilege I see here is that the Lord is returning for you. The Lord is returning for who? For you. Let's change it around. Let's put me in there, okay? Would you read this with me and say me? The Lord is returning for me. That's right. This is personal with him. It's you. You are the one that is valuable to him. He loves you and... and Well, I, I we'll talk more in a minute about that. Okay, so the next one is the idea of that the Lord is completing your transformation. Well, that's good news, isn't it? You guys talked about that. We've talked about that a lot. Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will what? Will complete it. And so here we are in life. We've come to Christ at this point in our life and we're going forward and we mess up, but God works and we learn and we grow and we do better. And we're going through life and eventually at some point our life comes to an end. But we're not done yet, right? And what happens at that point, he finishes the transformation. Because we don't know what we're going to be like and how it's going to be, but it says we do know this, that when we see him, we will be, remember what's it say? Like him. He's going to finish transforming us that day when we find ourselves in his presence. And then the Lord is bringing everything, including you, into submission. So I've been saved for, what is it now, 40, 48 years? 48 years. Um, And every now and then I say, what's the deal? Shouldn't after 48 years I have this nailed down? Shouldn't I be living about perfect now, Jason? Shouldn't I, right, after 48 years? <laughs> yeah, ha. <laughs> <laughs> but the reality is, is that we still find ourselves sometimes struggling with things, right, and trying to get things right. Thankfully, we're forgiven for that. That's not even an issue anymore, but we're still working on it. Well, there's a coming a day when, when the Lord says, okay, we're done with that. You're You're free. You're free. Can you imagine that day when either we die and go to be with him or he brings us home to him uh, through the rapture or whatever and all of a sudden there's no more sin and there's no more pull to sin. There's no more that we free. I mean, it's, it's, I can't even, I've never been free like that. But it's going to be, I think, amazing and overwhelming. And I want to say to you that not only is he returning for you, but he's, he's doing this for you. He's, you are worth rescuing. Whatever problem you are facing today, those of you who are watching as well, whatever it is in your life. And, and we heard from these guys today talk about that, well, you know, I didn't even know could, how could God still love me and all this kind of stuff. You're worth rescuing to the Lord. You're worth rescuing. You're, you're worth doing whatever he has to do to bring you back to him. That's how much he loves you. And so he's going to bring everything, including you, into complete and full submission, uh, rescue you from the, those penalties of sin. Now, when is this happening? 
He's talking here about the future, isn't he? But I want you to know something. This is true about all the major truths of the Christian life. They have their, their complete fulfillment in eternity. But you don't have to wait till eternity to experience a lot of that. You can begin to catch glimpses of it here and now and have moments of experiencing it and more and more. So it will be glorious then and it can be amazing now. It can be amazing now. Just let me show you. The Apostle Paul talks about in Ephesians uh, 1, and he's talking about what his prayer is for God's people. He's talking about things that really will only be fully completed in heaven, but he's also talking about now. So let's look. He says, the eyes of your understanding being lightened. He's praying for that. That's not just in the future. That's when. Now that you can begin to have some enlightened thinking about these things. Okay, continue. He says that you may know what is the hope of his calling. When? Now. Not just, in, you're going to know it in eternity. You're definitely going to know it in eternity. But you can know it now. Go ahead. And what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? He's, he's given us each other, the saints, the body of Christ. And, and when we get to heaven, we're going to see, wow, aren't we? Right? But guess what? You can see, wow, now. All right? And then what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Well, someday we'll experience that. Well, yeah, but no, it's available to us when? Now. That's right. Okay? So, standing firm with Christ. Follow the example of those who are following Jesus. Become alert to that in your life. Go ahead, Eduardo, that next slide. Become alert to that in your life and make whatever decisions you need to make there and ask God to enable you. Second, set your mind on things that are good and eternally significant. Focus in on those things. Have a heavenly way of looking at life. And third, focus on the privileges of your heavenly citizenship. And when you do that, you'll be well on the way to standing firm in Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that uh, we'll take it to heart that we will look to others who are following you and learn from them and humble ourselves to do so. Um, That we will (laughs) submit to you and ask you and work with you as you begin to transform our thinking and how we look at the world. And then, Lord, help us to look forward to what you're going to do, knowing that we can experience more and more of that now. And we pray for your, that you'd be honored and glorified in these things, Lord, in our lives. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Uh, make sure you connect with the guys from Team Challenge. If there's anything out there, take your time. Look around. God bless you. And uh, I will be gone next Sunday on vacation. Pastor Dave will be back and will be preaching. Okay? God bless you. <laughs>